Hi, welcome to the Seattle Mama Doc Podcast. I'm Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson. We all work so hard to perfect how we pull off parenthood, and often we may not feel good enough. This happens a lot when we go online and read things that completely freak us out. Today, I'm here to help you face these challenges head on, specifically about all the things you've read and heard about dry drowning, secondary drowning, and drowning in general. So, you know, this really came up because a few weeks back early, it's now 2017, summer of 2017, there was a media blitz regarding a tragic and horrible death um, of a young child in the South. And the story went to the media to the point that I was called by the Today Show, spent a long time on the phone. I was at an event with my son and some other families, and I went outside and stood on the front lawn for almost two hours, helping the producer understand what the story was, what to talk about, what dry drowning was. I had to reach out, and I did reach out to other pediatricians. I reached out to a pediatric emergency medicine doc who talked as well with a critical critical care and cardiac specialist. And we all kind of got together, looked at some of the articles, looked at the data around secondary drowning, dry drowning, and drowning in general, which some people consider just all what we call submersion injuries. Um, And I declined the interview in the end because of the way that the story was going to be told. But that doesn't mean the media stopped, of course. (laughs) They just didn't include me in that moment. So I think one of the things that we're all thinking about again is what is this? How does it happen? And how am I going to make sure it doesn't happen to my kid? First and foremost, without question, the majority of drownings that happen in children happen first and foremost in toddlers. So most likely group to drown are kids between the age of one and four. Boys drown more than girls, um, but they drown at that time because of a lack of supervision. They don't drown typically at that time because they fall off the step in the pool and get a glug of water and choke a second. They don't drown during a swimming lesson when the instructor dunks them under the water and they come up startled and stunned and sputtery. They don't drown um, because they go home after being at the beach looking fine and eating popcorn and watching a movie and singing songs before bed and going to bed and then just die suddenly in the middle of the night. It just doesn't happen that way. And I'm going to explain the submersion injuries and and what the definitions mean, but also a little bit of the data. So just as a reminder, I just want to calm you down that a very normal, typical, happy child without any other symptoms isn't going to go to bed and have a, quote, dry drowning in the middle of the night. We just don't think that's pathophysiologically how it happens. When you look at just immersion-related drownings at large, about 90% of them are because of a lack of supervision, 90%. So nine out of 10 times that a child drowns, it's because someone wasn't appropriately watching them. And, you know, recently I tweeted this little survey that I saw in Time Magazine, which came from data from CS Mott Children's at University of Michigan. But it was something like a third of parents thought that it was fine to let their six-year-old go down and swim by themselves unsupervised, you know, with a group of friends at a, at a hotel pool. A six-year-old. Let me tell you, let me be really clear. Don't do that. <laughs> like that's, it's not okay. Not only you, you need more even than the buddy system in an unfamiliar environment where you don't know what's going to happen. You know, we worry about drowning secondary to an entanglement, getting caught on something under a pool, um, not being able to swim as well as you think, um, risk-taking behaviors, particularly in teens. And then again, in these toddlers that drown the most because they just kind of wander off and flood under the water and you don't even know they're drowning because they don't scream for help. They just kind of get trapped under the water and don't know how to get themselves up and out of it. of the deaths in a recent study, so this was a a British study in 2014, looked back at 16 years of data before that. 
And when they evaluated drowning, that's where that number, the 90 percent of deaths from submersion injuries in that study were related to a lack of supervision. 80% of the deaths were in kids four years and younger. So young kids in general, but even those kids that are four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, need supervision. I mean, let me tell you something. I am not letting my boys anywhere um, without a lifeguard next to them or a parent watching them who's not on their cell phone and not drinking alcohol. I mean, water-related injuries are, are, are you know, in, in some statistics, the second leading cause of accidental death in children. So big deal. But the other thing that was, so this 90% are at lack of supervision, 80% are at kids four and younger, 70% of these drownings happen at home. So the illusion of safety that you know what you're doing or your pool or your kiddie pool or your in-ground pool or your bathtub or anything else, make sure that you know that the far majority of this does happen in homes as well. And home swimming pools tend to be a place for those. Now, just to be clear on the data too, to finish out data, only 1% to 2% of submersion deaths or drowning deaths are thought to be due to dry drowning or secondary drowning. And again, I'm going to go through these definitions. But so kids don't drown that much that often, thank goodness. But again, happens most in these toddlers and happens because of supervision. But the very, very, very tiny minority for those clinicians and experts who even believe in the terms of dry drowning and secondary drowning, it's only 1% of all submersion deaths that happen in those situations. So rest easy that it's exceedingly unlikely that you will ever know or be in, or come in contact with anyone who has something like this. So you should take really great reassurance. If you're supervising your child and you're watching how they behave after swimming, you will not have this come, like, it's not going to blow in like a thunderstorm and surprise you. It just is not going to happen that way. Okay, so what is dry drowning? Dry drowning is thought to be when a child gets exposed to water, coughs, chokes, and sputters, and a small amount of water causes spasm of their larynx. Your larynx is your voice box. It's the voice, it's your vocal cords. It's what ultimately, like as I'm making this podcast, I push air through my throat, through my vocal cords. They resonate and hum. And as the air pushes through them, that's what makes part of the sound of speech. If I choked, got irritated, something hit my vocal cords, just like, you know, when you kind of like something goes down the wrong tube, it could get irritated and I could go into spasm. Very very rarely, a child could have the kind of the noxious incident or the instigator of that be an inhalation of water while swimming, causing the vocal spasm in the airway. This occurs right at the time of them being in the pool. So in the rare, rare event that a child has significant or severe life-threatening or life-ending laryngospasm, where their vocal cords clamp down in spasm and close, it would happen right when you're at the pool, right at the river, right when they're there. That is exactly why you always want to be supervising a child. You would immediately call 911 and you'd rescue your child. So a child who's having really dry drowning is having an event right when it's happening. Okay, so that's dry drowning. It's not putting your kid to bed after being at the pool in the middle of the day and having them die at 2 in the morning. That is not what it is. Dry drowning is laryngospasm. Because water hits the vocal cords, that clamps down. They can't breathe. They can't get the oxygen they need, and they need rescue from CPR or from getting to an emergency facility. You call 911. Okay? They'd be turning blue. They'd be kind of choky. They'd be coughing. They wouldn't be breathing right right when it happens, okay? Secondary drowning is thought, and some people believe in this and some people don't, but in the submersion injuries, and I think there are submersion injuries that, of course, different than just drowning and getting stuck on the bottom of a pool and those horrific things where children are unsupervised and, and not found right away. Um, but in secondary drowning, water gets into the lungs, so it kind of gets 
inhaled gets into the airways themselves, causes inflammation and swelling of the airways, and then it makes it really hard for the lungs to do what they're supposed to do, which is take oxygen from the air in through those tubes of air and into the blood itself. It's just it's like having – it's almost like having at the barrier – there's something called surfactant. There are these little chemicals that keep your airways open. That gets disrupted. The airways kind of collapse, and you can't get the oxygen where you want it to go. That would not come out of nowhere. So – Secondary drownings are thought to happen within 24 hours of a maybe what you would call a near drowning event or a choking event or a submersion where a child gets exposed to a lot of water. Water is still in the lungs. They would typically cough. They would typically have increased work of breathing. They'd maybe just be really dopily sleepy or really hard to kind of keep awake. They'd have a change in their behavior or they might even start vomiting from it. They wouldn't have diarrhea from it but they maybe start vomiting from it. So it wouldn't surprise you. So if you do have an event where your child, observed or not, has maybe a choking event or sputtering or they come back from the pool and they're just breathing hard or they just don't feel right or they're puking or they're, it's just they're so sleepy, they don't feel right, that's without question a time to go to an emergency room or go and see your pediatrician. But let's remember, dry drowning happens at the event where the voice box spasms shuts Water gets – air can't get into the lungs themselves and you need to rescue a child. Secondary drowning happens after an event of some water in the lungs. A kid gets sick. They can't breathe right. They don't act right. They get really sleepy. Don't just put them to bed. If after swimming a kid is not acting themselves at all, go and seek care right away. But again, they're really rare. Only 1% of all of the drowning deaths are thought to be in those two circumstances. So you should take a lot of comfort that if you're supervising your child and watching them, and if, even if they gasp a little bit of water or choke or sputter, that if they're acting themselves and behaving well and eating well and playful and just themselves, nothing terrible should happen to them. If you start to see something that looks really different after a swimming event or after going under, then of course it makes a lot of sense to seek care. Okay, last things I just have to say, things you should know. So always you should be supervising your child. Data is that a lot of drownings or near drownings or these submersion injuries happen in the home. Seven out of ten happen in the home. Nine out of ten happen because someone isn't watching. Kids can take swimming lessons, but swimming lessons are not protective. So my kids have been taking swimming lessons since they were toddlers. And if you've listened to my podcast before, you know that I did not enjoy them as a parent. They were not fun. But then they still take swim lessons. And frankly, my son is taking a swim lesson today. And he's eight years old because he needs to be a better swimmer. I still know that that is not going to keep him alive in some situations, that he still needs supervision because he that kid, let me tell you, does not think straight <laughs> when he gets excited about swimming out to a raft or being in cold water or being overwhelmed. Teach your kids to swim. Most experts recommend starting at least around the age of four, but don't have an illusion of safety with swim lessons. It's not going to necessarily save your child. Symptoms of submersion injuries, so drowning-like events, persistent coughing, increased work of breathing, sleepiness, not acting themselves, change in behavior, being really forgetful or kind of dopey or throwing up. If that happens, any of those things happen after swimming and you're worried at all, go in. Your pediatrician can do a chest x-ray. They can listen to their lungs. They can look at an oxygen level and they can figure out, is their water irritating the lung and causing inflammation that could cause something like a secondary drowning? And remember, dry drownings happen at the event of being in the water where the voice box spasms closes off and doesn't allow a child to breathe. That's where you'd initiate CPR and call 911 immediately. I hope this helps. 
we shouldn't be so worried about our developing kids swimming and going to sleep and having something come out of the blue. For more information, I'll include links. There's a great Parents Magazine article on dry drowning and secondary drowning, and we'll put a link on the Mama Doc page. I'll do a blog on this. And please come into the comment section with any questions if I can help. Um, the reality is this is overwhelming when you hear these media stories and really unsettles us. But direct supervision is your number one job, and that includes time after being in the water or in the pool. And if something smells funny to you, no question you should call or take your child in. But nothing is going to surprise you out of the blue with a child who doesn't have any abnormal symptoms. Hope this helps because the reality is parenting is a high-stakes job. And the good news is you've got this. Thanks for listening. The Seattle Mama Doc Podcast episodes air every single week. I'm always interested in hearing what you have to say, what was helpful, and what you want to learn more about. Reach out to me on Twitter at Seattle Mama Doc, on my Facebook, Seattle Mama Doc, or at seattlemamadoc.com. Tell me what you want to learn. Tell me if you want to join me and point me to experts you'd love to learn more from. 